Today is the final Sunday of Monster Month. And who knows today's monster? Wolfman. <laughs> All right, good. At least one person has seen Wolfman. I was talking to my neighbor yesterday. He's like, what are you speaking on at church? I said, tomorrow I'm going to give a sermon on Wolfman. He's like, Wolfman? He's like, isn't that an old movie? I'm like, yeah, I think it was 1941. And then I was telling him all about the series that I've been doing and Frankenstein, Dracula, Invisible Man. Yeah, these movies, movies from the 30s. And he goes to me, how are people relating to movies from the 30s? It's like, how's that possible? I said, watch me. <laughs> <laughs> so today we will conclude our monster series by talking about Wolfman. Who else besides George has seen this movie? All right, we got a few of us then. Nice. Here is the synopsis of Wolfman. It's the story of a man who gets bitten by a werewolf. He then becomes a werewolf himself when the moon rises. And then this werewolf prowls the night looking for victims. This is the story of the 1941 movie, The Wolfman. And obviously there have been many different variations of this movie since. Now, the question that I want to look at this morning is sort of a question that will end our monster series. And the question is, how do we not release our inner monster? We've been talking about monsters over the past three weeks, four weeks now. The question that I want to ask as we conclude this series is, how do we not release the inner monster. And here's the truth. We all have an inner monster. Let's be real for a second. <laughs> we all have an inner monster. One of my favorite quotes from the Russian author Alexander Solzhenitsyn. This is someone who has seen some atrocity in the world. This is the Russian author who saw the atrocities of Russian prison camps. And here's what he says. The line between good and evil runs not through states, not between classes, nor between political parties. Remember that as we move into an election cycle. But rather, that line between good and evil, where does it run? Through every human heart. Within all of us, we have the potential for goodness, for greatness. We also have the potential for evil. Within us. That line, that dividing line, it runs through every single one of our hearts. The question is then, how do we tap into the goodness? And how do we keep that inner monster at bay? And you all have experienced this before. You've all transformed into Wolfman. Maybe it wasn't at the full moon, but you have all transformed into that monster that you carry within you. Now, today, I want to look at a story, a familiar story of the Bible. It's found in the Old Testament. Who has an idea as to the person's story, the character story that we'll be looking at this morning? Who knows who this man is right here? Samson. One of my favorite Old Testament stories. And this one serves as a dire warning about how you live your life and the monster that we carry within us. We'll begin the story in Judges chapter 14. Samson went down to Timnah. You all know where Timnah is, right? Right next to Yonkers on the map. And he saw there a young Philistine woman. When he returned, he said to his father and mother, it sounds like any teenage boy, 
hey, mom, dad, I have seen a Philistine woman in Timnah. Now get her for me as my wife. <laughs> it's a great way to talk to your parents. Hey, I've seen this chick. Now get her for me as my wife. His father and mother replied, hey, 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 Samson, isn't there an acceptable woman among your relatives or among all of our people? Must you go to the uncircumcised Philistines to get a wife? But Samson took his father aside because he knew his mother wouldn't understand. And he said, get her for me. She's the right one for me. This is how the story of Samson begins. Who knows what this is? Hot Wheels. Who collects Hot Wheels? <laughs> Keaton has a ton. This, okay, Reese, when he was younger especially, loved Hot Wheels. We could not make it out of a Target without picking up a five-pack of Hot Wheels. Reese, you can only have one today. No, I want a five-pack. All right, how about we get two? No, I want a five-pack. There was one particular Saturday afternoon when we did not allow him to get a five-pack of Hot Wheels. What do you think happened? Now, mind you, the toy section in Target is all the way in the back of the store. We told him, no Hot Wheels today, Reese. I have never seen a child have such a temper tantrum. I carried him from the back of Target through the entire store, outside, through the parking lot, placed him in the car the whole time, kicking, screaming, yelling. Do you want to guess how many people gave me weird looks as I walked through the store carrying this child? I was so embarrassed. <laughs> if you're a parent, you know exactly what I'm talking about. It was one of those moments, can I like have a hood I can put over my head so that no one, hopefully I don't see anyone that I know. Hey, look, there's the neighbor. Yeah, he had no impulse control. No impulse control. There's no patience. There's no, okay, I'll wait till the next time. I understand. We got one yesterday when we were here at Target. I've had a couple of other things. I can wait. Impulse control out the window. This is how the story of Samson begins. What does he say to his parents? I see her. Kind of like her. I like what I see. Now, get her for me. This is a command that a son is issuing to his parents. I had no idea. So I had this, this phrase, I thought, that I would use here for us this morning. I Googled it, and guess what? It's a phrase from an Ariana Grande song. And it goes, I see it, I like it, I want it, I got it. <laughs> Never heard this song. Who knows this one? Who was singing this in the shower this morning? Kirk, right? Yeah? Yeah. For me, actually, I found a, another meme that I thought was hysterical, which is a little more appropriate for myself. I see it, I like it, I want it, I check the price, I put it back. <laughs> not Samson, not Samson. He liked the price tag. Go get her for me. What do you think happens? There's a wedding. And there is a giant party that is thrown. Samson decides at this party he's going to tell a riddle. And he doesn't want anyone to ever guess the answer to this riddle. He's going to stump everyone. So he tells it to 30 people. They're all stumped. His wife begs him, says, Samson, why do you hate me so? Please tell me the answer to the riddle. 
He proceeds to give her the answer to the riddle. She then goes and tells it to these 30 companions of Samson. Samson, he is burning with anger the fact that his wife gave the answer away to his companions. He is, I mean, upset doesn't even begin to capture what he's feeling at this moment. So we're told this, the story keeps going, Judges 14. He went down to Ashkelon, which is a little further south from Yonkers, struck down 30 of their men, all because why? Because they discovered the answer to the riddle. Stripped them of everything, gave their clothes to those who had explained the riddle. It's pretty extreme. Burning with anger, all because why? Someone figured out why the chicken crossed the road. He returned to his father's home, and Samson's wife was given to one of his companions who had attended him at the feast. So angry, so much shrapnel over what has happened here, his wife is now given to someone else. What does Samson do? Later on, at the time of the wheat harvest, Samson took a young goat and went to visit his wife. Men, single men, take note. If you want to impress the lady, young goat. And he said, I'm going to my wife's room. But her father would not let him go in. The father is blocking the door. Oh, I'm sorry. You and the young goat have to stay out here. I was so sure that you hated her. I gave her to your companion. The, how you responded when she gave away the riddle. I, I was sure that you hated her. I was sure that you were upset with her and that you didn't want her to be your wife any longer. So I gave her away to someone else. She is now someone else's wife. And then to appease Samson, here's what he says. Isn't her younger sister more attractive anyway? Here, take her instead. What an odd story. Anyone who thinks the Bible is boring has never read this story. This is daytime soap opera right here. Why? Because the father, here's what the father is wondering. He's wondering, who is here at my doorstep? He's offering the younger sister because he's kind of afraid of Samson. Think about what Samson has just done. Wouldn't you be afraid of someone like this? I mean, this person is erratic. He's unstable. He isn't sure. The father isn't sure. Is it Lon Chaney who is here at his doorstep? Or is it the Wolfman? Which version of Samson are we getting? Are we getting that normal, stable individual? Or are we getting the monster? Who, is, here, here, take, take the daughter because, well, man, we, we don't want to see you when you're angry. And hearing for the first time that your wife was given away, we don't know what that could possibly bring out of you. Story continues. You thought that was bad enough with the riddle. Samson said to them, this time, I have a right to get even with the Philistines. I will really harm them. So he went out and he does what probably any of you would do when you get angry. He catches 300 foxes. And then he tied them tail to tail in pairs. You have 150 of these pairs of foxes now. He then fastened a torch to every pair of tails, lit the torches, and let the foxes loose in the standing grain of the Philistines. Bonus points for creativity, negative points for animal cruelty. He burned up the shocks and standing grain together with the vineyards and olive groves. The story keeps getting worse and worse. <laughs> 
he keeps spiraling down and down. Then a little bit later, the Philistines went up. They burned her and her father to death because of what Samson did. So now the Philistines are beginning to retaliate because Samson did harm to them. So now they will do harm to Samson and they will destroy the things that he cares about. This is a cycle of violence. It started with violence. It's, it's escalating. The violence is getting more and more. Since you've attacked like this, I swear, this is what Samson then says once this happens, I swear I won't stop until I get my revenge on you. I'm not going to stop this cycle of violence. I'm going to keep going until I harm every single one of you. He then attacked them viciously and slaughtered many of them. He went down and stayed in a cave in the rock of Edom. Now all of this causes a whole bunch of issues, a whole bunch of problems between the Israelites and the Philistines. And the Israelites, they start getting upset with Samson. Like, what, what are you doing? What is the deal here? Do you understand your actions have consequences? You think it's all about you. You're looking only at yourself and how this is affecting you, but think about how it's affecting all of us. Think about how it's affecting our community. This monster that you're unleashing because you can't control yourself, it's having larger repercussions outside of simply yourself. And so 3,000 men, talk about an intervention. 3,000 men. This isn't a little living room intervention, three or four of your closest friends. 3,000 men from Judah, they went down to the cave where Samson is, and they said, hey, don't you realize the Philistines, they're rulers over us. Well, what have you done to us? Think, like, you're supposed to be a leader because that's who Samson was. He, he was supposed to be a leader. He, he was supposed to be someone who was given by God to the Israelites to lead them in goodness and peace. And, and now the whole community is coming to him like, Samson, because you can't control yourself, like, look, think, look what you've done to us. And what does Samson say? I'm sorry. I'll learn to control myself. <laughs> no. No. No, I, I merely did to them what they did to me. You ever been there before? They did that to me, so I have every right to do the same to them. Look what they did to me. I have every right to respond just like them. Yeah, this is the story of Samson. It looks a bit like this. It's a snowball that keeps getting larger and larger because once you stop or once you start, you can't stop it. You ever find yourself there? There's a bit of anger within you and you give into that ever so slightly and before you know it, you're like this snowball going down a mountain. You just can't stop yourself. There's something within you that has been unleashed and the more you feed it, the more you give into it, the bigger and bigger, the more dangerous it gets. This is the story of the Wolfman as well. And I thought I'd end the series with one more clip. We didn't have any clips in the beginning. Last week was our first clip. I thought, let's anchor this series with a clip from the Wolfman. Like a snowball 
down a mountain. This transformation from normal person to wolfman, no matter what he does, he can't stop it. That's how it is. You begin giving into your anger, your desire for revenge. You begin tapping into that inner monster and you just begin unleashing something that has a power of its own. And you try to stop it, but no matter what you do, you end up creeping through a cemetery at night on your toes. (laughs) So the question, to end this series, how to keep the monster at bay. Here's the number one piece of advice. Become a calm, non-reactive presence. Which probably raises the question for you. Yes, but how do I do this? Because you probably like the idea of that. Well, of course I'd love to be a person of calmness. Of course I'd love to be a person who responds to things in a calm manner rather than reacting and flying off the handle to everything that happens in life. But how exactly do I do this? Uh, So let me give you five ways to become a calm, non-reactive presence. First, know your triggers. Is it the full moon? If it's a full moon, lock yourself in a closet. (laughs) First way to keep the monster at bay, know what your triggers are. And do everything you can to avoid them as best as you can. Uh, Here for me are three triggers that turn me into Wolfman. When I am hungry, you do not want to be around me. This has been true for as long as I can remember. When I was younger, my parents realized, and you can ask them, they're here today. They will tell you stories. They realized that when Dave gets hungry, it goes poorly for Dave and for everyone around Dave. (laughs) Like really poorly. So they bought me these pills, which would control my blood sugar to hopefully keep me a little bit more even. I kept the pills by my bed. And whenever I would feel this hunger come upon me, whenever I was being triggered, when the moon started to rise, I would take one of these pills and it would calm me down a little bit. Yeah, so for me, hunger. So I know, okay, I have to make sure that I don't get too hungry. Otherwise, that inner monster is going to be unleashed. Uh, When I'm tired. If I stay up too late at night, if I don't get enough sleep, you also do not want to be around me. I can be quite irritable when I don't get my rest. It's very important for me. Oh, you know what? It's that time. Let's stop reading, turn the TV off, whatever I might be doing because I need my rest. So I prioritize sleep because I know I am a much more pleasant person to be around when I have my rest. I have two young kids. This doesn't always happen. So you can know your triggers, but you can't always avoid them. So you just need to be as aware as you possibly can as to what those triggers are and how you can avoid them to the best of your ability. Another way for me, when I am stressed, I feel something within me just begin to boil over. I have learned two ways to control my stress. Number one, plan better. When I'm not planned out, I get more stressed. The better I plan my life out, and again, I understand things arise in life, things come up, but the better I do planning, the less stress there is. Again, you control what you can control. There's plenty of things out of your control. You control only the things that you can control. Uh, The other thing for me about stress, uh, I do less. 
When I am running from one thing to the next to the next, I get highly stressed, unleashing the inner wolf man. For me, these are three of my biggest triggers. What are your triggers? What unleash the monster within? Awareness is crucial for keeping the monster at bay. Number two, you catch yourself. So when you feel this happening, and I've seen a few of you, George, on your Instagram reels, I see George doing this after a CrossFit workout. But when you feel something rising within, because you've all been there, right? Are you like me where you, you can feel it? You feel when you're getting angry? You feel when you want to catch 300 foxes and tie them tail to tail? Like, you know what I'm talking about, right? And sometimes you just don't care. <laughs> you're like, oh, whatever, I don't. Yeah, the quicker you can catch yourself, the sooner you can return to that normal, calm state. Oh, oh, you know what? Okay, I feel something happening. Let me like take a pause for a moment and reset myself. And then also, here's a phrase from Brene Brown. It's called chandeliering. And this is a phrase, she gives this story of there was a time when one of her kids had an in uh, injury on the finger and they would touch it. And that injury or that, that feeling was, they were in so much pain that as soon as someone touched that finger, they just jumped up in the air. Chandeliering is whenever someone hits a tender spot in your life. Have you ever found yourself reacting to something and the reaction is so strong and then you look back or maybe in the moment you're like, why did I react so strongly to what they said? They were giving me some feedback. They were saying something and I responded at like an 11 when maybe the response should have been a level three, but yet they hit a tender spot because it's a, it's a place of woundedness within me. So whenever you find yourself having a very strong reaction to what someone says, to what someone does, this is a great time to grab a journal and a pen and ask yourself, okay, what's going on here? Why am I responding or why am I reacting so strongly? And then you catch yourself and you begin to work that out a bit. Third way, accept imperfection. This has been so helpful for me. Uh, where do you accept this imperfection? In yourself, in others, and life. Nothing is perfect. You are not perfect. You will never be perfect. Doesn't mean you stop growing. Of course, we're all about growth. Yes, but it means that you accept the bumps in the road. And you accept that the people that you spend most of your time with, the people that you spend any time with, they are imperfect as well. And here's what I've learned. When you're harsh on someone else, when you're critiquing someone else, normally it's an inner critique. You're lashing out at someone else because there's something within you that you don't like and you're seeing it displayed in someone else. So whenever you have a very critical response to someone else, pause, grab your journal, look in and say, ooh, what's going on here? What's happening within me that I'm having such a strong reaction? And life is going to be imperfect. It's going to be imperfect. And it's okay. It's all right. That's the beauty of the whole thing. Number four, don't feed every emotion. Think about Samson. Get her for me. The question, is this healthy? 
So whenever you feel an emotion arise, there's nothing wrong with emotions. We all have them. They're normal. They're fine. They're okay. But you ask yourself, is this a healthy emotion for me to feed? Or is it like Ariana Grande? I see it. I like it. I want it. I got it. Probably not the healthiest response to an emotion. I love this in the story of Samson. So after he tells his parents, hey, get her for me as a wife, here's what he says. Uh, he talked, he went down after seeing her. He talked with a woman and he liked her. <laughs> I love, it just, it, this line makes me laugh. Hey, I see her, get her for me. Then he goes and talks with her and is like, oh, I kind of like her personality as well. <laughs> a little bit, priorities are a little bit backwards here. Yeah, so, so you always ask, wait, is this a healthy emotion to feed? Is this healthy for me to keep responding to this? Uh, and then, number five, well, what's the only way to stop a werewolf? Who knows? Silver. In the Wolfman movie, it was this silver cane that was able to stop the werewolf. So number five, way to keep the inner monster at bay, know your silver antidote. <laughs> yeah, what's the silver? What's going to stop you in your place? See, Samson had a silver antidote. His wife, his second wife said, how can you say I love you when you won't confide in me? This is the third time you've made a fool of me. Kind of repeating pattern in his life. And you haven't told me the secret of your great strength. With such nagging, she prodded him day after day until he was sick to death of it. So he told her everything. No razor has ever been used on my head because I have been a Nazarite dedicated to God from my mother's womb. If my head were shaved, my strength would leave me. I would become as weak as any other man. If my head were shaved, I couldn't even become a monster. I'd have no strength to do anything in life. He knew what his silver antidote was. For you, what recenters you in your life? What calms you down? For me, uh, getting some exercise, so going to the gym, going for a walk, going for a jog. That just, it calms me down. I need it. It's important. Uh, what about getting outside? Sometimes when you stay stuck inside all day, uh, things can become a bit wonky inside. We aren't meant to just simply live within a building. So you get outside for a little bit. For me, immensely helpful. Uh, leave the screen behind. I get jittery when I'm at a screen, staring at a screen for a long period of time. So I have to close the screen down, turn the phone away, and then just go and do whatever else it happens to be. For you, what resets you? What's your silver antidote? What will stop you like silver will stop a werewolf? And what will keep that inner monster at bay. So those are five ways to prevent yourself from becoming a werewolf. Chances are you would appreciate not becoming a werewolf, but even more so the people around you would appreciate you not becoming a werewolf. And that's the way to keep that inner monster that you have down in a way so that you can tap into the greatness and the goodness so that you can be the representation of Jesus for this world. So that you can share the love of Christ. So that you can create more peace 
in this world. Because that's what you really want. That's what the people around you want. For you to be that calm, loving, peaceful presence and have it spread to all the areas that your life goes throughout the week. So as we close this monster series, learn to keep the monster at bay and go forth into this world as a calm, non-reactive presence.